Part three of the History of the Caliph Vathek by William Beckford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. Having passed the night in this cruel perturbation, the Caliph at daybreak retired to his tent, where, without taking the least sustenance, he continued to doze till the dusk of evening began again to come on. He then resumed his vigils as before, and persevered in observing them for many nights together. At length, fatigued with so successless an employment, he sought relief from change. To this end, he sometimes paced with hasty strides across the plain, and as he wildly gazed at the stars, reproached them with having deceived him. But lo! on a sudden the clear blue sky appeared streaked over with streams of blood, which reached from the valley even to the city of Samara. As this awful phenomenon seemed to touch his tower, Vathek at first thought of repairing thither to view it more distinctly, but feeling himself unable to advance, and being overcome with apprehension, he muffled up his face in his robe. Terrifying as these prodigies were, this impression upon him was no more than momentary, and served only to stimulate his love of the marvellous. Instead, therefore, of returning to his palace, he persisted in the resolution of abiding where the Indian vanished from his view. One night, however, while he was walking, as usual, on the plain, the moon and the stars at once were eclipsed, and a total darkness ensued. The earth trembled beneath him, and a voice came forth, the voice of the Gyao, who, in accents more sonorous than thunder, thus addressed him. Wouldst thou devote thyself to me? Adore, then, the terrestrial influences, and abjure Mahomet. On these conditions I will bring thee to the palace of subterranean fire. There shalt thou behold in immense depositories the treasures which the stars have promised thee, and which will be conferred by those intelligences whom thou shalt thus render propitious. It was from thence I brought my sabres, and it is there that Solomon ben Daoud reposes, surrounded by the talismans that control the world. The astonished caliph trembled as he answered, yet in a style that showed him to be no novice in preternatural adventures. Where art thou? Be present to my eyes. Dissipate the gloom that perplexes me, and of which I deem thee the cause. After the many flambeaux I have burnt to discover thee, thou mayst at least grant a glimpse of thy horrible visage. Abjure then, Mahomet, replied the Indian, and promise me full proofs of thy sincerity, otherwise thou shalt never behold me again. The unhappy caliph, instigated by insatiable curiosity, lavished his promises in the utmost profusion. The sky immediately brightened, and by the light of the planets, which seemed almost to blaze, Vathek beheld the earth open, and at the extremity of a vast black chasm, a portal of ebony, before which stood the Indian, still blacker, holding in his hand a golden key that caused the lock to resound. How, cried Vathek, can I descend to thee without the certainty of breaking my neck? Come, take me and instantly opened the portal. Not so fast, replied the Indian. Impatient, Caliph, know that I am parched with thirst, 
and cannot open this door till my thirst be thoroughly appeased. I require the blood of fifty of the most beautiful sons of thy viziers and great men, or neither can my thirst nor thy curiosity be satisfied. Return to Samara, procure for me this necessary libation. Come back hither, throw it thyself into this chasm, and then shalt thou see. Having thus spoken, the Indian turned his back on the caliph, who, incited by the suggestion of demons, resolved on the direful sacrifice. He now pretended to have regained his tranquillity, and set out for Samara amidst the acclamations of a people who still loved him, and forbore not to rejoice when they believed him to have recovered his reason. So successfully did he conceal the emotion of his heart, that even Carathis and Morakanabad were equally deceived with the rest. Nothing was heard of but festivals and rejoicings. The ball, which no tongue had hitherto ventured to mention, was again brought on the tapis. A general laugh went round, though many still smarting under the hands of the surgeon from the hurts received in that memorable adventure, had no great reason for mirth. The prevalence of this gay humour was not a little grateful to Vathek, as perceiving how much it conduced to his project. He put on the appearance of affability to every one, but especially to his viziers and the grandees of his court, whom he failed not to regale with a sumptuous banquet during which he insensibly inclined the conversation to the children of his guests. Having asked with a good-natured air who of them were blessed with the handsomest boys, every father at once asserted the pretensions of his own, and the constant imperceptibility grew so warm that nothing could have withholden them from coming to blows but their profound reverence for the person of the caliph. Under the pretense, therefore, of reconciling the disputants, Vathek took upon him to decide, and with this view commanded the boys to be brought. It was not long before a troop of these poor children made their appearance, all equipped by their fond mothers with such ornaments as might give the greatest relief to their beauty, or most advantageously display the graces of their age. But whilst this brilliant assemblage attracted the eyes and hearts of every one besides, the caliph scrutinised each in his turn with a malignant avidity, that passed for attention, and selected from their number the fifty whom he judged Agior would prefer. With an equal show of kindness as before, he proposed to celebrate a festival on the plain for the entertainment of his young favourites, who he said ought to rejoice still more than all at the restoration of his health, on account of the favours he intended for them. The caliph's proposal was received with the greatest delight, and soon published through Samara. Litters, camels and horses were prepared. Women and children, old men and young, everyone placed himself in the station he chose. The cavalcade set forward, attended by all the confectioners in the city and its precincts. The populace following on foot composed an amazing crowd, and occasioned no little noise. All was joy, nor did any one call to mind what most of them had suffered when they first travelled the road they were now passing so gaily. The evening was serene, the air refreshing, the sky clear, and the flowers exhaled their fragrance. The beams of the declining sun, whose mild splendour reposed on the summit of the mountain, shed a glow of ruddy light over its green declivity, and the white flocks sporting upon it. 
no sounds were audible save the murmurs of the four fountains and the reeds and voices of shepherds calling to each other from different eminences the lovely innocence proceeding to the destined sacrifice added not a little to the hilarity of the scene they approached the plain full of sportiveness some coursing butterflies others culling flowers or picking up the shining little pebbles that attracted their notice at intervals they nimbly started from each other for the sake of being caught again and mutually imparting a thousand caresses the dreadful chasm at whose bottom the portal of ebony was placed began to appear at a distance it looked like a black streak that divided the plain morakanabad and his companions took it for some work which the caliph had ordered unhappy men little did they surmise for what it was destined vathek not liking they should examine it too nearly stopped the procession and ordered a spacious circle to be formed on this side at some distance from the accursed chasm the bodyguard of eunuchs was detached to measure out the list intended for the games and prepare ringles for the lines to keep off the crowd the fifty competitors were soon stripped and presented to the admiration of the spectators the suppleness and grace of their delicate limbs their eyes sparkled with a joy which those of their fond parents reflected everyone offered wishes for the little candidate nearest his heart and doubted not of his being victorious a breathless suspense awaited the contest of these amiable and innocent victims the caliph awaiting himself of the first moment to retire from the crowd advanced towards the chasm and there heard yet not without shuddering the voice of the indian who gnashing his teeth eagerly demanded where are they where are they perceivest thou not how my mouth waters relentless gyor answered vathek with emotion can nothing content thee but the massacre of these lovely victims ah wert thou to behold their beauty it most certainly moved thy compassion perdition on thy compassion babbler cried the indian give them me instantly give them or my portal shall be closed against thee for ever not so loudly replied the caliph blushing i understand thee returned the gyur with the grin of an ogre thou wantest to summon up more presence of mind i will for a moment forbear during this exquisite dialogue the games went forward with all alacrity and at length concluded just as the twilight began to overcast the mountains vathek who was still standing on the edge of the chasm called out with all his might let my fifty little favourites approach me separately and let them come in the order of their success to the first i will give my diamond bracelet to the second my collar of emeralds to the third my aigret of rubies to the fourth my girdle of topazes and to the rest each a part of my dress even down to my slippers this declaration was received with reiterated acclamations and all extolled the liberality of a prince who would thus strip himself for the amusement of his subjects and the encouragement of the rising generation the caliph in the meantime undressed himself by degrees and raising his arm as high as he was able made each of the prizes glitter in the air but whilst he delivered it with one hand to the child who sprang forward to receive it he with the other pushed the poor innocent into the gulf where the gyor with a sullen muttering incessantly repeated more more 
this dreadful device was executed with so much dexterity that the boy who was approaching him remained unconscious of the fate of his forerunner and as to the spectators the shades of evening together with their distance precluded them from perceiving any object distinctly vathek having in this manner thrown in the last of the fifty and expecting that the gyo on receiving them would have presented the key already fancied himself as great as solomon and consequently above being amenable for what he had done when to his utter amazement the chasm closed and the ground became as entire as the rest of the plain no language could express his rage and despair he execrated the perfidy of the indian loaded him with his most infamous invectives and stamped with his foot as resolving to be heard he persisted in this demeanour till his strength failed him and then fell on the earth like one void of sense his viziers and grandees who were nearer than the rest supposed him at first to be sitting on the grass at play with their amiable children but at length prompted by doubt they advanced towards the spot and found the caliph alone who wildly demanded what they wanted our children our children cried they it is assuredly pleasant said he to make me accountable for accidents your children while at play fell from the precipice that was here and i should have experienced their fate had i not been saved by a sudden start back at these words the fathers of the fifty boys cried out aloud the mothers repeated their exclamations an octave higher whilst the rest without knowing the cause soon drowned the voices of both with still louder lamentations of their own our caliph said they and the report soon circulated our caliph has played us this trick to gratify his accursed cure let us punish him for his perfidy let us avenge ourselves let us avenge the blood of the innocent let us throw this cruel prince into the gulf that is near and let his name be mentioned no more at this rumour and these menaces Carathis, full of consternation, hastened to Morakanabad and said, Vizier, thou have lost two beautiful boys, and must necessarily be the most afflicted of fathers. But you are virtuous. Save your master. I will brave every hazard, replied the vizier, to rescue him from his present danger, but afterwards will abandon him to his fate. Bababaluk, continued he, put yourself at the head of your eunuchs, disperse the mob, and, if possible, bring back this unhappy prince to his palace. Bababaluk and his fraternity, felicitating each other in a low voice on their disability of ever being fathers, obeyed the mandate of the vizier, who, seconding their exertions to the utmost of his power, at length accomplished his generous enterprise, and retired as he resolved to lament at his leisure. No sooner had the caliph re-entered his palace than Carathis commanded the doors to be fastened. But perceiving the tumult to be still violent, and hearing the imprecations which resounded from all quarters, she said to her son, Whether the populace be right or wrong, it behoves you to provide for your safety. Let us retire to your own apartment, and from thence through the subterranean passage, known only to ourselves, into your tower. There, with the assistance of the mutes who never leave it, we may be able to make some resistance. Bababaluk, supposing us to be still in the palace, will guard its avenues for his own sake, and we shall soon find, without the counsels of that lover Morakanabad, 
what expedient may be the best to adopt. Vathek, without making the least reply, acquiesced in his mother's proposal, and repeated as he went, Nefarious Gior, where art thou? Hast thou not yet devoured those poor children? Where are thy sabres, thy golden keys, thy talismans? Carathis, who guessed from these interrogations a part of the truth, had no difficulty to apprehend in getting at the whole, as soon as he should be a little composed in his tower. This princess was so far from being influenced by scruples, that she was as wicked as woman could be, which is not saying a little, for the sex pique themselves on their superiority in every competition. The recital of the caliph, therefore, occasioned neither terror nor surprise to his mother. She felt no emotion but from the promises of her gior, and said to her son, This gior, it must be confessed, is somewhat sanguinary in his taste, but the terrestrial powers are always terrible. Nevertheless, what the one has promised and the others can confer will prove a sufficient indemnification. No crimes should be thought too dear for such a reward. Forbear, then, to revile the Indian. You have not fulfilled the conditions to which his services are annexed. For instance, is not a sacrifice to the subterranean genii required? and should we not be prepared to offer it as soon as the tumult is subsided? This charge I will take on myself, and have no doubt of succeeding by means of your treasures, which, as there are now so many others in store, may without fear be exhausted. Accordingly, the princess, who possessed the most consummate skill in the art of persuasion, went immediately back through the subterranean passage, and presenting herself to the populace from a window of the palace, began to harangue them with all the address of which she was mistress, whilst Bababalu showered money from both hands amongst the crowd, who by these united means were soon appeased. Every person retired to his home, and Carathis retired to the tower. Prayer at break of day was announced when Carathis and Vathek ascended the steps which led to the summit of the tower, where they remained for some time, though the weather was lowering and wet. This impending gloom corresponded with their malignant dispositions. But when the sun began to break through the clouds, they ordered a pavilion to be raised, as a screen from the intrusion of his beams. The caliph, overcome with fatigue, sought refreshment from repose, at the same time hoping that significant dreams might attend on his slumbers, whilst the indefatigable Carathis, followed by a party of her mutes, descended to prepare whatever she judged proper for the oblation of the approaching night. End of part three